Hello and welcome to episode 90 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It's a pleasure to be your host. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. The show is being recorded on Friday, February 4th, 2022, and we are going to take another look at the controversy that played out back in November of 2017 between Kevin Simons and Christopher Ferrara in regards to whether or not the entirety of the third secret of Fatima, or the third part of the great secret, if you'd like to put it that way, has been revealed, or if, as Mr. Farrar contends, and I wholeheartedly agree with, there is a secret still hidden. The secret still hidden, of course, being the title of his book that was published in 2008. And I had mentioned the other day that I wanted to have a bit of an update on this controversy. This is from a few years ago, but still some clarification in regards to the debate that Mr. Simons and Mr. Ferrara had, and I thought it would be intriguing for purposes of our podcast to take a look at this. So this was an interview by a gentleman named Frank Walker, who goes by the um, nickname Canon212, and this website was stumblingblock.org, and the title is Chris Ferrara fires back at desperate establishment Catholics on Fatima. So as they're conducting the interview, I'll refer to Canon 212 as Walker and then Mr. Ferrara by name. In a recent interview, establishment Catholics make their latest in a long line of dishonest, ham-fisted, and feeble attempts, which have originated from the Vatican on down, to obscure and withhold key truths about the third secret of Fatima. During John Paul II's reign, an apparently truncated, dubious version of the Third Secret was released, which has aroused immediate suspicion and controversy ever since. Letters and communications from the late visionary Sister Lucia have been scrutinized. Papal pronouncements and accounts of conflicting Vatican prelates have been analyzed. Through the work of the late Father Nicholas Gruner and Chris Ferrara at the Fatima Center, and in more recent years, the prescient Vaticanista, Antonio Sochi, the inconsistencies and questions surrounding the third secret of Fatima have continued to mount, despite official efforts to put them to rest. In a stunning reversal this past May, Cardinal Burke called for the Pope to consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, regardless of the fact that the Vatican has maintained for years that it had already been performed. Perhaps that is why, at the respectable Catholic World Report last week, Kevin Simons uses the occasion of his new book on the third part of the third se of the secret of Fatima to level what amounts to a high-sounding, arrogant, and empty smear of Father Gruner, Ferrara, Sochi, and the careful work, work of many other experts over these past few decades. Does the Vatican fear a growing awareness that they have been irresponsible regarding Our Lady's requests? Today, Chris Ferrara was kind enough to respond to our questions. Canon 212. In an interview at the Catholic World Report, Kevin J. Simons makes an attempt to debunk Fatima conspiracy theories. Simons says his book is written to address the work of Abbe George de Nantes, Father Nicholas Gruner, and Antonio Sochi on The Third Secret, calling it an attempt, to an attempt at providing a critical assessment 
of some contentious points that are generally common to all three. They bring you in later as a Fatima controversialist. What is your view of the book? Ferrara. That Simons is very good at puffery. His attempt at providing a critical assessment makes almost no effort to address, much less actually refute, the overwhelming evidence for the existence of a text in which the Blessed Virgin explains the meaning and historical context of the enigmatic vision of a bishop dressed in white, who is executed on a hill outside a devastated city filled with the dead. I have read the Kindle edition of the book from digital cover to digital cover, and, having expected much more, was amazed at how little of substance Simons has to say on the controversy. Hundreds of pages, including appendices and footnotes, dwell on a few peripheral points, while the substance of the case, which my own book summarizes here, and he includes a link to The Secret Still Hidden, is never addressed. Canon 212. Did you work closely with Father Gruner over the years? Ferrara. To say the least, I dare say I was as close to him as any person outside his immediate family. His death was devastating to me. During the gathering to commemorate his life and work, I lost it during my remembrance of him and was led weeping away from the stage. Canon 212. Simon says that literature from Father Gruner and the Abbe de Nance struck me as being an enclosed circle that was given credibility by the journalistic cloud of Antonio Sochi. This characterization reminds me of Pope Francis' dreaded closed-in Catholics. Why does Simons find it necessary to smear his scholarly opponents as a small group of wild-eyed ranters? Ferrara. Because he has no case. Thus he employs the tried-and-true demagogic tactic of insults and demonization. Simons poses as a sober and objective scholar of the controversy, but is in fact a shameless apologist for the Vatican account of the secret, which, to quote Antonio Sochi, leaks water from every part. Let me give you one very telling example of how this self-promoting Fatima scholar is actually a Fatima cover-up artist. During my recent debate with Simons, I confronted him repeatedly with the undisputed existence of an envelope containing a text pertaining to the secret on which Monsignor Loris Capavia, personal secretary to John XXIII, wrote his own name, the name of the cardinals who had read its contents, and the dictation of Pope John, that he would leave the contents to his successors to judge, after which Pope John suppressed the secret, rather than revealing it in 1960 as the Catholic world expected. That envelope, whose contents were originally kept in a wooden safe in the papal apartment during the reign of Pius XII, was later found in a writing desk in Pope John's bedchamber called Barbarigo, because it was the very desk of St. Gregorio Barbarigo. The vision published in 2000, on the other hand, was maintained in what was then the Holy Office Archive. The Capavia envelope was reopened by Paul VI after Capavia informed him of its location in the Barbarigo desk, and then resealed after Paul, like his predecessor, declined to reveal the contents. The Capavia envelope has never been produced. Unable to explain its non-production during the debate, Mr. Simons finally declared to the audience that it doesn't exist. But it most certainly does exist, as confirmed in detail by Capavia during a televised interview presented by none other than Cardinal Bertone, Sodano's successor as Vatican Secretary of State, 
with Capovia even specifying the number of drawers in the Barbarigo desk, where the envelope was kept. I discuss these facts here, and once again, there's a hyperlink to his book. What sort of Fatima scholar denies the existence of evidence whose existence is undeniable? Canon 212. Simons claims to have debunked much of the circumstantial evidence that Fatima conspiracy theorists have been using. Ferrara. But this is laughable. He has debunked nothing. Nor does his interview with CWR give the least indication of what he has debunked. It's all puffery. Simons has a few opinions on what he thinks some of the evidence means, and he calls for further study. That's it. Yet the neo-Catholic commentariat now hails him as the great debunker of Fatima conspiracy theories. Simons has only a shallow grasp of this deeply fact-intensive controversy. His book and the interview do not even begin to address the mountain of evidence summarized in my book, which the Fatima Center has made available for free online, and which, by the way, was endorsed by no less than the late papal nuncio to the United States, Archbishop Pietro Sambi. As Archbishop Sambi said to Robert Moynihan concerning my book, and in the end, we are all after the truth, aren't we? The truth is the important thing. Not apparently for Simons. Canon 212. Simons refers to a 2013 biography by the Carmelites of the convent of St. Teresa in Coimbra. What do you make of the biography's account that Sister Lucia was advised to only reveal part of the third secret, or that she had held back out of a sense of reluctance? Ferrara. The 2013 biography is one of several smoking guns that revealed the existence of an explanation of the published vision by the Blessed Virgin herself. Even Simons concedes this, yet he contends, ludicrously, that the Mother of God did not wish to have her explanation. That the Mother of God did not wish us to have her explanation, excuse me. No, she left behind a riddle to be decoded by Cardinal Sodano and his ridiculous interpretation that the vision of a pope being executed outside a devastated city filled with the dead signifies John Paul II not being killed by a lone assassin in the intact city of Rome. Give me a break. Canon 212. In your work, did Sister Lucia strike you as the type to withhold a supernatural message from the Mother of God out of a caution or doubt? Ferrara. That question answers itself. The claim is laughable. Canon 212. Simons calls Father Gruner's case regarding the third secret arguments made for sensational propaganda of scandal and Vatican intrigue, real cloak and dagger stuff that played upon the sympathies of Catholics. Is this fair? Ferrara. These are the lazy insults of a man without a serious argument playing to the grandstand. Canon 212. Simons characterizes your thinking this way. Chris prefers the hermeneutic of suspicion and conspiracy with the rhetoric of a lawyer. A theological lens would serve him better. Your comment? Ferrara. More insults in place of reasoned debate, but being a lawyer, I am used to this cheap shot. When you are debating someone without an argument, he can always denounce you for being a lawyer. Boo, hiss. This is about the level of Simon's Fatima scholarship. Canon 212. Have you been in an adversarial posture with the Holy See on Fatima for so long that you have lost objectivity, as Simons maintains?
Would an extended, agreeable posture clear your mind? Ferrara. Having no real reply to the evidence, Simons piles on the insults, this time by way of amateur psychoanalysis. The papal nuncio to the United States praised my book because it presents a vast quantity of evidence in an orderly and reasonable way. It is Simons who lacks objectivity, as we see with his absurd attempt to deny the existence of the undeniably existent Capavia envelope. Canon 212. Simons maintains that when, in 2010, Pope Benedict stated the third secret concerns realities involving the future of the church, which are gradually taking shape and becoming evident, sufferings of the church that come precisely from within the church, from the sin existing within the church, which is something that we have always known, but today we are seeing it in a really terrifying way. He really meant only events in the 20th century. Your comment? Ferrara. Just as the Capavia envelope doesn't exist because Simons doesn't wish it to exist, the words today and future realities mean, for him, the past. Any nonsensical claim will do when it comes to defending the Vatican's account at all costs, while posing as an objective Fatima scholar. Canon 212. What do you make of the previously unknown, undated letter from Sister Lucia to Paul VI? Does it reflect your understanding of the third secret? Do you doubt its authenticity? Ferrara. Another bit of unintended humor from Simons. He trumpets this letter to Pope Paul, warning of a diabolical revolt in the church, as if it were some breakthrough discovery by him. For goodness sake, it was on public display in the Sister Lucia Museum in Coimbra, and he got to see only the one page on display. I have no reason to doubt its authenticity. I haven't even seen it. But then, it only says what Sister Lucia said to numerous others in oral and written remarks. Moreover, here is yet another bit of evidence for the existence of a text in which Our Lady predicts this diabolical revolt, of which there is no indication whatsoever in the vision of the bishop dressed in white, standing alone. Canon 212 In studying Fatima, Simons calls for humility and openness to God's grace whereas sensationalism stokes the very distrust of the church that runs absolutely contrary to the message of Fatima. Ferrara. It is Simons who indulges in sensationalism, presenting himself as the voice of reason in this controversy, contributing nothing of real substance to the debate, while hurling gratuitous insults at people who have done years of serious work he clearly has not taken the trouble to understand in any detail, much less debunk. Read his insult-laden interview with CWR and decide for yourself if it evinces humility. It is always wise to be wary of people who publicly proclaim that other people need to be humble. And thus ends the piece from Stumbling Block. It would only take a few minutes, maybe five minutes, I'm not sure exactly how long, for the Pope and all the Catholic bishops of the world to consecrate Russia to the Blessed Mother's Immaculate Heart. Let us continue to pray for that day. Keep praying the rosary every single day. Do your best, if you have it within your power, to make the five First Saturdays devotions Offer up sacrifices for Pope Francis. 
Um, I would highly recommend checking out the latest edition of Dr. Taylor Marshall's show in which Pope Francis said some very controversial things which seem to contradict directly uh, church teaching, especially 1943's Mystici Corporis by Pope Pius XII and also St. Thomas Aquinas in regards to the communion of saints. But, like I've said previously with Pope Francis, it's like if you have a wayward family member or a wayward father. You don't condemn him. You pray for him. You continue to love him. That's not to ignore or sweep under the rug the ludicrous and infuriating things that have happened during this pontificate. I'm not going to pretend like they haven't happened. But we're all sinners in need of a Savior. We all need our Lord Jesus Christ. The Pope is the supreme pontiff of the universal church. In effect, he acts as the Lord's prime minister here on earth. So we need to continue to pray for him, offer up sacrifices for him, and also for his successor, who's going to have a gigantic mess to clean up in the church. And we can't really stick this on one person. We have to look in the mirror. I have to look in the mirror and ask myself, what am I doing to build up God's kingdom today? There's always more we can do. We can always be more loving. We can always be more kind. We can always ask God for the grace to open ourselves up more to him and in what he wants us to do here because the Lord has a specific will for each one of us. The universal will, of course, is for everyone to be saved, but the specific will for what each one of us is supposed to do in this life to build up his kingdom. Only we can figure that out, aided by his grace through prayer, through the sacraments, through fasting. But God has a plan for our lives. He has a beautiful plan for our lives, each and every one of us. We've been seeing in the world rising rates of drug addiction and alcoholism, People are anxious. People are depressed. They're deeply frustrated by what's been going on in the world for the past two years. But I say, take heart. We are all here for a reason. We are living through this time in history for a reason. God wants us here. He wants us doing his will right now in the year 2022. And when this is all said and done, whether it's three weeks from now, three months from now, three years from now, or whenever, the consecration is going to happen. We have the promise from Jesus that the consecration will come, but it will be late when he was talking to Sister Lucy. The Blessed Mother herself said, In the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. So we know who wins. Okay. 
Jesus, the Blessed Mother, and St. Joseph win. Let's make sure we're on the right side. Let's make sure we're with God and all his angels and saints. The only thing we really have to concern ourselves with is avoiding sin. And when we fall into sin, go to confession as soon as possible. Because the people in the world, the politicians, uh, the various CEOs who are behaving in a tyrannical and ungodly fashion, they're not going to judge us at the end of our lives. Your family members, your friends, they're not going to judge you. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the just judge, and he's going to be your only judge and my only judge when we die. So all we have to concern ourselves with is doing good and avoiding evil. And everything else really doesn't matter. We're going to be measured at the end of our lives on how much we loved. How much we loved Jesus and how much we loved our neighbor. Let us conclude by honoring Our Lady of Fatima and St. Joseph. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. Prayer of St. Alphonsus Liguri for a happy death. St. Joseph, by that assistance which Jesus and Mary gave you at death, I beg you to protect me in a special way at the hour of my death, so that dying assisted by you and the company of Jesus and Mary, I may go to thank you in heaven and in your company sing God's praises for all eternity. Amen. Virgo potens, ora pronobis, sancti Joseph, teradimonem, ora pronobis, in nomine patris et fili et spiritus sancti. Amen. Thank you very kindly for listening to this episode of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. Once again, it's a pleasure to be your host. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. Please share this podcast with everyone you know. Jesus loves you. Always remember that. Goodbye, and God love you.